The title of the sermon this morning is Hold First. Someone say, Hold First. Say it like you're at the 10 o'clock service. Everyone say, Hold First. Ah, love that. Thank you, everyone. Hold First. Today, the hope that I have for this message is that it will help you live the life that you were made for. It'll help you live a life that influences and helps other people. It'll help you live a life of freedom. One of the things that the Bible tells us that God wants to give us is peace and joy. And it will help us live a life, most importantly, that will please God. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus is talking here, and he's talking about the kingdom of God. Great passage, and it says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's read it again, because I know I read this about four to five times and went, to actually understand what it was saying. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Everyone just stop there for a moment. A field. Treasure hidden in the field. Got it? Which a man found. A man found the treasure on the field. He found it and hid the treasure. Following? And for the joy over it, he goes. So he finds this treasure but he doesn't own the field. He finds the treasure, but because of the joy of finding this treasure, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field. So in other words, he's not really interested in the field, but he's interested in the treasure that he finds the field, and he wants it so much because the field doesn't belong to him that he goes and sells everything that he owns to find the treasure. Is everyone following? That he's hidden. So you can imagine the guy eventually goes and buys the field and then goes and obtains the treasure. And here Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man who finds this treasure so valuable that he sells everything that he owns to obtain it. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Last Sunday at the 10 o'clock, my dad preached a great message about what do you value. And every person here in this room would have certain things that they value. Maybe for you it's your family Maybe for you it's exercise, maybe for you it's your lifestyle, maybe it's your work, maybe it's your parents. Every person in here has things that we value. And Pastor Stuart began to talk about some of the things that he's valued over his life. He brought in some old cups, uh, four old cups, and I'd seen these cups around our home for the last couple of years, but I'd actually seen them well prior to that because they were at my grandma's home. And when we would go and visit my grandma, occasionally she would bring out these cups, But my dad last Sunday at the 10 o'clock, he bought these cups out and he said, these cups are extremely valuable to me. And I'd seen these cups so many times before. I mean, they weren't new to me, but all I knew was that dad was like, be careful with those cups. Don't scratch those cups. Look after those cups. And I just thought, well, dad just really likes those cups. I'm glad he does. But he went on to explain that these were the cups that his parents bought when they would go on family picnics. And because they were business owners and worked very hard, They would only go for a picnic once or twice a year, and they were the cups that were used. So these cups had incredible value. Everyone has things that we value. But here Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a treasure that's found that you're willing to sell everything that you have just to obtain this valuable treasure. And today I want to talk about a little bit about this and this kingdom, and how we can be people who value this kingdom. But before I get into sort of really what we want to hit into today, 
the kingdom of God is something that if you go to the local servo or school or workplace, it's not something that gets spoken about all the time, is it? And so today, I want to just explain the kingdom of God so that everyone here understands it. And if you've been a part of Freshwater Church for quite a few years, you definitely would have heard us do this before. But what I'm about to show you is something that Pastor Stuart has written on serviettes over many, many years, time and time again, to help people understand the kingdom of God. And what I want you to do today is, if you've heard this before, I want you to listen to this and pray this prayer in your heart. God, give me an opportunity to show this to someone else this week. Give me an opportunity to explain this. And so who here has ever been overseas? Who here was born overseas? Ah, very good. Who here was born in Cairns? Ah, come on, Danielle, Carolyn, a few. But, but who knows that what we call different locations overseas, we call them countries, right? But who knows that some time ago, they used to be called kingdoms. And a few of those countries are still called kingdoms today. The United Kingdom kingdoms. And who knows with a kingdom, you have leadership, you have ways, you have structures, you have laws. Who knows that if you go to certain countries, they're different to other countries. Yep. And what we have in the spiritual realm is we actually have two moral and spiritual kingdoms. Kingdoms that we can't, cannot see, but affect our lives every single day. This isn't just for people who are really into spiritual things. These kingdoms are at play in every one of our lives all the time. All right. And for some reason, we think that the spiritual realm is kind of secondary to our natural life. But the thing you realize when you learn about Jesus is that Jesus believes that the spiritual world is, in fact, even more important than our natural world. For you, you were born, right? You, you were born into existence, and that was like the first thing that you remember. But Jesus came from heaven to earth. So he spent more time in the heavens than he did on the earth. So when Jesus talks about heaven, he's not just trying to understand it. He's like someone who's actually been there. Anyone been to New Zealand? There you go. Who knows it would be different if I tried to explain it off my study of Wikipedia and Google Maps, my understanding of what New Zealand is like compared to you who's literally been there. And so when Jesus explains what heaven is like, he's not just trying to get his head and heart around it. He's been to heaven and he's explaining it to us. But there's these two kingdoms. Remember, if you heard this before, I want you to pray this prayer. God, give me an opportunity to share this this week, all right? And so there's the kingdom of God. And then over here, we'll give him a lowercase, but then there's the kingdom of Satan. All right? Now, there are these two moral and spiritual kingdoms. Now, the Bible says that the, king, that the devil, Satan, has come to rob and kill and destroy from our life. So I want you to think about some of the things in the world that are evil, that you don't like. Can someone think of, let's start with, Pastor Stewart said one this morning, greed. Who here is not thankful for greed? Agreed. What, what else, Julie? What's one other thing, negative thing in the world? Pain. Jemima, can you give me another one? Depression. Can someone else shout out another one for me? Fear. Lies. What else? Violence. Rage. Come on, COVID. <laughs> Disease. Guilt. Illness. Poverty. Anger. Lust. Negativity. Yeah. Bullying. 
So there's this kingdom, right? Now, who has ever experienced one of these things? Yeah, come on. I know, I know we all have. Who here has ever been the culprit of helping produce one of these things in a different scenario? Yeah, come on. And the Bible talks about the first man that ever lived. His name was Adam. And the Bible says that through one man's sin, all have sinned. So all of us have been born into this kingdom. We talked about it last Sunday. We talked about how the Bible says that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, but God wanted to bring us alive, all right? And so we talked about this. Have you ever noticed you don't have to teach your children how to be naughty? It comes naturally because we're born into this sin nature. And through one man's sin, all of sin, the Bible says, but that's why God had a plan to send a second Adam who can tell me his name. Jesus, who was the second Adam, who had no sin, and through what he did for us on the cross, he's made a way for us to come from this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and come alive into the kingdom of heaven. So let's begin to talk about some of the things that are relevant in God's kingdom. Could we do that together? Let's talk about love, kindness, peace, hope. I'll try, I'll try and get better. <laughs> Faith. Joy. Goodness. That was a good one, Gail. Truth. Abundance. Life. Eternal. Give me the longest one, Helen. Thank you. <laughs> the list goes on. But this is what the Bible says the kingdom of God is all about. You know the best part of the kingdom of God? Is God. Because He is all these things all the time. He not only creates these things, He lives these things. And the Bible wants to give us a way to step from this kingdom into this kingdom. And live protected and safe in this kingdom. Is there anyone this morning who could say that this is more than just something that they've seen on a whiteboard, but they've experienced in their life in 2020? Yeah, great to see so many hands. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can actually move into this kingdom. And here Jesus says, uh, coming back to our scripture for today, that the kingdom of heaven, it's like, it's like when you find this, it's more valuable than anything else you've ever known. It's, it's, it's more treasured than all of your possessions, all your cars and your home and all those things. This is more precious and more valuable. I think I would agree that hope is more important to me than my shoes. I, I think I'd say that peace is more important to me than my vehicle. I, I think I'd say to me that the love I've found of God is even more important than my career. And I would give up everything that I have to just obtain this kingdom and be with God. It's not like a, oh, that's a hard sell. <laughs> no, no, no. This is overwhelmingly good. I like the way that that famous singer-songwriter said it. He said, this is amazing grace that we can actually access this kingdom. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, it says, as Dad was saying this morning, not to be people who worry about what we'd wear or what we'd eat or what we'd drink, 
But the Bible says that our Father, talking about God, already knows that we need all of these things. But it tells us that we should be people who seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be added unto us. In other words, not in other words, the Bible says, let's not be people who worry about these things, but seek first God's kingdom. But for me, that's not just a matter of doing that for a day or a minute or an hour or a week or a month or a year. Who knows that's a lifetime of seeking first the kingdom of God. And it comes to a point in a believer's life where you can make this decision to seek first the kingdom of God, but who knows it takes a strength and a resilience and a reliance on God to hold first the kingdom of God consistently day by day. And when I meet people who have developed the tenacity to do that, they're the people who radically inspire me because they just know how to hold first in every part of their life the kingdom of God. And what we're going to read, if you've got your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 4. And as I was praying, this is what I really believe with the Scripture burning in my heart for today. Because I like Jesus because Jesus explains things, but Jesus also demonstrates how to live things. He not only tells us what to do, He says, come watch my life, I'll show you how to do it. Anyone here a visual learner? Like, don't tell me, show me. And I'm thankful for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they wrote it down. But Jesus also showed us how to live a life where we would seek first the kingdom of God. And in Luke, Matthew, pardon me, chapter 4, I'll turn there just so we're all on the same page. Matthew chapter 4. Here we go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Here you've got the scripture where Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It talks about being tempted, and we could go into the theology of why this happened and how this happened, but one thing I know about being a believer is that if you're going to be someone who seeks first the kingdom of God every day, then at some point in your life, there's going to be a temptation to leave that and seek other things. At some point, there's going to be a temptation in your life to do that, and Jesus here for 40 days has fasted. Just think about that for a moment. If right now today you said, and I'm not telling you to do this, but right now if you just stopped eating today, for one day, not till Monday morning, 7 a.m., you started eating. Think about two days. Think about the whole of this coming week. You didn't eat anything. Then think about 40 days. Jesus didn't eat for that lot. He was fasting. At the end of 40 days, who knows you would be hungry, but I feel if you were Jesus, you'd feel a sense of great accomplishment. I fasted for 40 days. And here at this moment, the Bible says that the devil comes to tempt him. You see, if we're going to be people who live in this kingdom, the enemy at times is going to try and pull us back into this kingdom. He's going to try and rob us back into this. He's going to try and pull us back into this life. But what we're talking about today is how to have a tenacity and how to have a hope about your life that says, God, I'm unmovable in standing and seeking first your kingdom day by day. I'm pushing forward. And one of the things that I've discovered about the devil is that he's so cruel, 
that at a point where you've experienced tremendous spiritual or natural victory in your life, right at that moment, he'll try and take you out. Sometimes in life, we talk about the valleys and we talk about the mountains, the low points of life and the high points of life. The devil is that cruel that at the highest point of your life, he would try and push you off the cliff. That's how nasty he is. And I know as a pastor, one of the things that I watch, say, if we're doing any sort of ministry initiative, in the lead up to it, it's important. People are praying, they're preparing to do something really exciting, whether it be a missions trip or a youth camp or something. In the time while we're doing that task, I'm watching them, I'm careful for them. But you know the time I'm most concerned about people is after. The day after. Because you have a great victory, you've followed through, you've believed by faith, you've run the race. But right at that moment, right after you've had the victory, the devil loves at that point to try and take you out and try and take that feeling of joy and victory that you've held in that moment. Who knows what I'm talking about? And so here Jesus is and he's fasted for 40 days and right there the devil comes to tempt him. We've got to be people, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we need to be people who go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. We need to not be people who have see a victory or see a breakthrough and step, take three steps forward and then take two steps backward. We need to be people who know how to hold first the kingdom of God and be consistent in our approach. We need to be people who one week we might see miracles on that Sunday and we say, that's so exciting. But the next Sunday, we believe again. We might do a feeding program in our city and see great uh, help that goes through the city. But you know what? After that feeding program, we believe again. 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 And we hold first the kingdom of God. And that's how we see breakthrough and how God builds his church line upon line, precept upon precept. Because we're not people who step from one kingdom, then back to the other kingdom, then one kingdom, then back to the other kingdom. We know how to hold our lives in the kingdom of God. And today, our encouragement to you to be church is come on, on those moments of victory, I want you to think about this. The next day, do you know how to hold the ground in the spirit that God has given you? Do you know how to hold and be the person that God has called you to be? And I like this because Jesus goes on here and it says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Here, I like Jesus because he says, my life is not fueled by just bread, but my life is actually fueled by God. Is there any Christians here today that say, my life is not fueled by external things, but my life is actually fueled by my relationship with God? You see, everything that the devil goes on to tempt Jesus with in these scriptures is all things that the Father had prepared to already give Jesus. Bread, I mean, don't you just love later in the Bible where Jesus is, you know, is out with the thousands and they have 12 baskets of bread left over. <laughs> I mean, the communion moment where they're coming together as the disciples and Jesus breaks bread with the disciples. I mean, this is the same guy that prayed the, 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 prayer, the Lord's Prayer. God, give us today our daily bread. <laughs> I mean, he goes on to talk about how the, the devil tries to tempt him with influence and power, both things that Jesus became the king above all kings and the Lord above all lords. He has influence and now domain and authority over everything that happens. But you see, what the devil will try and cause you to do is he'll try and tempt you to sell out early for what God has for you already promised in the long run. He'll try and, can I say it again, get you to sell out early for what God already has for you in the long run. It looks like this. It looks like the young adult who's really excited about finding a life partner, really excited about getting married. But rather than just seeking first the kingdom of God, relying on God to bring that person into their life, 
they start going chasing girlfriends like crazy and they find a girl, but it's not the girl that they were waiting for in God. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's that person who's so desperate to get into business because they feel that God wants to use them in business, but they rush ahead of God and try and make it happen themselves. It's that person who wants greater influence in church. They think they should be doing more and more recognized. So rather than waking, waiting on God's promotion, they try and shortcut the circuit and jump from church to church to try and get themselves in that position they want in the timing that they want. It's the person who tries and does these sort of things, but we need to be people who not sell out, but wait for what God actually has for us. Can I give you a really good example and story of this today that inspired me? That would be my mom. Hey, love my mom. My mom is so cool. And mom's story is a great story because mom, as a high school student, her family had sort of connected with church at times, but in her teenage years, her whole family decided to go to church. And God began to radically move in their family. You know, one of the things that I know about mom is that she's creative, she's fun, she's full of life, but she knows God. There's a depth, there's a well there of knowing God. She talks about some of her early years in going to church. I think her first ever youth camp, she went along, she didn't realize it was a prayer and fasting camp. They prayed and fasted the whole time. <laughs> Great introduction into church life. But, but began to, she talked about how she began to help in the children's ministry. And through the children's ministry, she knew a little bit about the Bible. But through the children's ministry, she began to know more about the Bible because she had to explain it to little children. One of the things you may not know about my mom is that she was known in high school for being, her nickname was Mouse. Mouse. But God gave her a boldness that you would know her today as Jane, as a bold person. But it wasn't always that way. It was what God did in her life as she stepped up to the plate and just said, God, I'll trust you. And so in her early 20s, she began to serve in youth group, which at that time was sort of young adults and really be involved with that. And she served for years and years and years and years. And then after a while, she thought, you know what? I just want to have a break. I just want to have a bit of time off, do something else. And she was looking for someone for a life partner, someone to spend her life with. And there was a guy, I don't know the exact timing of it, but he was a dentist. And he came into the church and he was really interested in mom. And mom thought, you're actually, you're all right. I think you're pretty cool. And she thought, you know, this could go somewhere. But just, just sharing all the love light. <laughs> she thought this this like this could this could be pretty exciting but there was one challenge this guy didn't have the same burning passion for God's house that she had in her heart and so he had a great job he had a great personality a great style but didn't have a zeal for the father's house and you know at a moment that's a really hard decision as a 20 something year old to say I could see a future with this person and it would probably work out well but I feel like God has something else for me. And around a little bit later, she felt the call to get back into youth group. And she'd done it for so many years that it was like, God, you want me to serve in youth group? You mean you want me to do that? I am over it. I've done it for years. More youth group. Seriously. And so she put her hand to get back involved in youth group. She went from being a helper to somehow being in charge of running an entire citywide church athletics thing in a stadium for all the youth groups of, of, of Brisbane. <laughs> you know, high jump, shock put, track, all of these. She was in charge of that whole thing. And she was serving God, living with her parents, believing for a husband. Dad at the time ran a health resort on the Gold Coast, 
was really cool, successful, but was missing something. Felt like there was a life purpose, but he just hadn't found it quite yet. And he met some people in Cavill Mall and Surface Paradise who had this passion for Jesus, who had stepped from this kingdom into this kingdom. And they explained to him, and he became born again. He became alive. And he decided to move to Brisbane and do Bible college. Pastor Stewart, one day, catch this, knocked on the door of Pastor Jane's parents' house. God delivered her husband to her front door. (laughs) Delivered her husband to her front door. There you go. But dad began to serve and he saw mum's heart to serve in her local church. He saw her running this athletic state and thought, who is this? She's running a whole athletic state and she's cool. And I really, I really like her. But he, one of the things that dad says about mum is he says that she wasn't a show pony. She was a bit of a war horse. <laughs> he talked about the girls who just were like, <laughs> but mum had focus. She had determination. And that's what he liked about mum. You see, it would have been so easy for mum to just shortcut the system she may not be in this room today but she learned how to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness knowing that all those things will be added unto you so how do you know as we wrap up today if it's God or if it's just a temptation how do you know one you'll feel God's peace. When you try and do things in your own way, in your own time, you'll just feel like you're pushing your way through, but there won't be any peace. But you've got to have a maturity to know that it's just not your peace or your excitement or your desire, but it's actually the peace from God. And with that peace, you've got to learn how to know the right timing. So it might be a business idea, but but I have peace about it, but God, when's the right time for this? The second thing for young men and young women is that you'll find that there'll be a level of okay from your parents. If they're godly men and women, it'll line up. I find as me as a young man with parents who believe, I find if there are things that I have to do sort of sneakily or my own way, I generally find that I'm trying to shortcut God's way. And the third thing is that you'll invite your pastors to come and pray with you on it. The Bible says that pastors are like overseers, shepherds for your life. The Bible says God's given them a responsibility to watch out for your soul. And I found so often that when people are trying to shortcut what God's wanting to do, they'll hide it from their pastors. The pastor will be the very last person to find out about it. Not that they have to control everything, but you'll just say, Pastor, you're a person who prays. You're a person who hears from God. Could you pray with me about the timing and the place of this in my life? And you'll find that as you feel God's peace, you'll feel that the authority over your life, there's a peace about it. It'll just line up and it'll be the right timing and you just trust God. Sometimes it's not about holding on to it in your own, but just saying, God, your time will work for me.